The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Sports Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericasports.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Outside the Huddle, featuring your host, Lemond Williams. This program is a great resource for players making career transitions, as well as a place to discuss this week's top sports stories. Now, here's your host, Lemond Williams. Sports America, welcome back to another week of Outside the Huddle on the Voice America Sports Network. I'm Lemond Williams, your host tonight, and joining me for the third consecutive week is George, better known as G-Man, and George, welcome to the show, Outside the Huddle. Appreciate you having me on, Lamont. Welcome back to the show. Yeah, it's not your first time, so welcome back to the show. And George, uh, well, let me give out the information for everyone who wants to call the show. If you would like to join the show tonight with George and I, you can simply call this number here at 1-888-346-9144. Again, the contact number to call into the show is one 346 Nine one four four. You can email me as well throughout the show. And if I have some time, I can get the question out there, and George and I can discuss the topic. Uh, you can email me at LeeMontWilliamsSports at Yahoo dot com, and you can just simply follow me on Twitter at LeeMontWilliams. That's L E M O N T Williams. And George, you have a new Twitter Twitter uh, handle, uh, correct? Yes, sir. It's a uh... George underscore Lewis underscore Junior. A lot of underscores in there, brother. Yeah, I know. I, I had to do it. I mean, the thing about it is, is they already had George Lewis taken, so I had to put the Junior in there. So, but yeah, it's it's a uh, it's a lot of underscores, but it's just basically my name. You just got to put the underscores in there. Nah, it's all good, man. Uh, you should got one said G man, but it's probably already got a couple ones out there G man. But anyway, all right, George, let's go ahead and start the. Start the show, but before that, we start the show. How's your week going? I know it's been another hot week in Houston. How's it going? You find a way to man. kind of beat the heat? Man, it is hot in Houston, man. You got to stay in that AC. But, I mean, it's been a good week. Uh, Monday, you know, we had off for Memorial Day, so I want to thank all the veterans out there that listen to the show that serve our country and make it, you know, possible for us to be here on the radio and possible for us to be able to speak our opinions. Yeah, you know, Memorial Day was this past Monday, and actually it's my daughter's birthday as well. So, again, uh, shout-out to all the veterans and everyone that's on the front line for our country, as well as my daughter had her her birthday celebration on, on Monday. Another hot week, hot and humid. It's kind of breezy today, though. The clouds was coming in. It was like we can get some rain here possibly the next day or two. But uh, uh, just another hot and humid week here in, in Houston, Texas. George, let's go ahead and start the show. Let's go start with NBA. You know, a lot of NBA stuff is going on. Uh, we'll, we'll, we'll cater to San Antonio, our Texas team, a little bit later because they're pretty much set in the finals. But we got to talk about this much 
competitive series right now between the Miami Heat and the Indianapolis Pacers. George, you know, I'm going to be honest with you, man. I really thought the Heat had this under control, the series. As they went up there to, to Indiana and kind of handled the Pacers, um, and, and but last game, it just seems like the Pacers played like a team in game four, like a team on a mission, was able to get LeBron James in some foul trouble. Uh, it was very physical. I like the fact that it was physical. Uh, you know, you had guys inside, outside doing it. You had Stevenson. Uh, Lance Stevenson was doing his thing for the, for the Pacers. And they ended up winning the game 99, excuse me, 99 to 92 at home. So, uh First, first question to you, George, is uh, what do you think of the series now that the Pacers has come back into the series and won that game at home against the Miami Heat? Man, I think the the series is exactly what I've been saying it was going to be. A lot of people scoffed at me when I said, you know, that, that this series is going to be competitive. You know, people think, oh, well, Miami has this in the bag. But the Pacers are, are the type of team that they can actually show Miami up, and they're the team in in the Eastern Conference that I really felt had a chance at beating Miami. And uh, it just goes to show the way that the the play has gone so far. Like, like you said, you know, they, they beat them 99-92 to 92 in this past home game, and I told you last week, and I remember tweeting you on, on, uh, on Twitter as well, um, saying whoever took home court was going to be the person who uh, – that was going to be the team that won the series. So it's been it's been a battle. They both taken one away from the other team at their own home. But I think it's going to be continue to be a, a hard fought series. Yeah, it just seems like the fact that it's a hard fought fought series so far. It seems like Roy Hibbert and Lance Stevenson are two guys that are stepping up their play. Uh, you know, Stevenson had twenty points. Hibbert, I mean Hibbert had. Uh, excuse me, Roy Hibbert had 23 points and 12 rebounds. Why is uh, Roy Hibbert so effective and so dominant right now against the Miami Heat, in your opinion, in this series? In my opinion, I believe it's because the the Miami Heat are the first team that you've actually seen that have an effective small ball strategy, um, which that basically means is most of the guys on, on Miami's team, they're small, they try to get the ball around, they pass the ball a lot, and uh, – and, you know, when you have Roy Hibbert down there and Chris Bosh is the one that's on him, Roy Hibbert's going to be able to post Chris Bosh up, you know, with that big body and, and get him out, you know, get him uncomfortable. You saw that uh, Chris Bosh, had, I believe it was three rebounds in this past game. Um, so he's 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 been ineffective on the boards versus Roy Hibbert, which is really going to show in the box score because Roy Hibbert is, is making the plays that he needs to make as center. So it, it, the biggest matchup in this in this particular series is the Hibbert-Bosch matchup because Bosch can get to the outside and shoot on you, but he's not hitting his shots right now. So that's what's really hurting the Heat. Yeah, and, it, and another thing, Hibbert is the guy that can work Bosch on both sides of the court. I mean, Chris Bosch is – to me, it seems like he's playing a lot of his uh, his game is very effective on the perimeter side. He's relying too much on the jump shot. And he's out in the perimeter, which helps Roy. Uh, Roy's able to stay down low and, and be effective as far as rebounds. He had 12 rebounds last game, but he's he's man. It seems like he's coming to coming to his own offensively, inside outside, getting outside rebounds, driving to the lane. He's been very effective. I just really like the effort what I'm seeing from the Pacers, their team. You know, for, for the most part, was under the radar throughout the season. Now they're getting this national uh, spotlight. They're stepping up, and it seems like a lot of their young players are 
are, are stepping up at the right time. Lance Stevenson, I keep saying his name because he's he's playing with a chip on his shoulder, and it seems like uh, Paul George, another guy, their key player, is kind of, you know, he's doing his thing, but it's not 100% on his shoulders to get it done. Yeah, definitely, and that's the best part about it. When you can trust in your teammates to make the plays that need to be made, it takes a lot of pressure off of the individuals such as Paul George. Uh, such as your Lance Stevenson, you know, it, it helps them out to know that, okay, if I can't get this job done, we can collectively as a team get this done. And it really speaks volumes in the box scores. I mean, the thing you have to look at in this series is that the Pacers are a big physical team, and Miami does not like to get hit in the mouth, and that's basically what's happening. Miami's used to running all over teams, you know, breaking out in the, on the fast break and, you know, causing turnovers and getting out ahead of teams. But the Indiana Pacers are going to be the type of team that don't allow you to do that because they're going to big body you the entire game. So that's kind of helped out uh, the Indiana Pacers to be in this series, and I think that that's what's going to allow them to excel in this series. And that's why I say I think this one might go seven. You think it might go seven? That's the next thing I'm going to ask you, your prediction that you think it's going to go seven games. But, you know, switching gears, going over to the opposite side of the court, talking about, about the Miami Heat in game four. LeBron James, I mean, he's a freak of nature. He's a guy that can be physical each and every night. But he fouled out, fouled out against uh, the Pacers in game four. I uh, seemed like he was a little frustrated throughout the game with a lot of those calls. Let me get your opinion. What were your thoughts on some of the calls that was made against LeBron James and the Miami Heat? I think that a lot of Heat fans are trying to make this about the referees because what at the end of the day what ended up happening is, is Miami lost the game for themselves. Um, and, and each one of these games that has come up, Miami's had a chance to win, just as the Pacers have. It's just that the Pacers have taken to a Miami's taken to, of course. But with with, uh, with the Heat, they they the Heat fans they seem to be complaining about the refs. And to me, the refs were shabby on both sides. I mean, you look at that 24 second violation that the Pacers got at the end of the quarter, um, and and it just kind of that turned the momentum of the game. The the Heat went on an 11 to 2 run after that after that 24 second violation. So it, it affected both teams, and I do think that the referee should be held accountable. But I don't think that that's an excuse to go out there and uh, and, and lose a game. Yeah, I, I think somehow, some way, uh, with these teams going at each other from game one and and being very physical, you know, it's it's going to come down to the referees. People are going to be focusing on them. And what they're going to, what kind of calls they're going to make? Because these teams are not going to let off each other. They're coming in attack mode uh, on the offensive side of the ball. So it's going to be fun to see. Dwayne Wade, are you impressed with what Dwayne Wade is bringing to the table so far in this series? I'm actually not. I mean, Dwayne Wade, he he's got to he's got to step his game up because right now, if LeBron is not playing at uh, number one in the league level as far as being the number one player in the league. If he's not if he's not playing like that, then their team is actually losing the game. So Dwayne Wade has to be that guy that LeBron James can count on to to make sure that he actually can pass the ball off to him. You know, I mean if if LeBron James is not feeling it and he's out of his groove, mm-hmm. then he has to have his, his assistant there to, to help him out and, and Dwayne Wade's just not been that through this series. Yeah, I don't know if his body's taking a total lot of banging or beating, but, you know, he's more of a facilitator. He's more of a guy that's trying to lead his team through his experience and leadership. Um, you know, but LeBron, you know, it's all about LeBron right now, and 
And it feels real good to have him on your team, knowing that he can come in and put up 40 points per game. Chris Bias, are you concerned about him moving forward with the ankle as well as having some other nagging injuries? I am, especially when you look at the that we were talking about earlier with Roy Hibbert. If you're if you're banged up and you're going up against Roy Hibbert, you're going to have a tough night. It's already going to be a tough night if you're fully healthy. And with him being banged up and you know having the ankle injury and that that affects your shot, that affects your outside game. So now you have to try to post up. And Hibbert's a physical guy, so that's gonna that's gonna really wear and tear on on their team. And like I said, they have the they have the big three. They have James, they have Bosch, and they have Wade. And all three of those players have to be clicking for this team to be the Heat. And if they're not clicking, then that 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 just it's going to show on the score. It's going to cause them to, to have another L on their record. Well, we'll, we'll see. I, I think Bosch is, is, you know, he's dealt with injuries throughout the playoffs. And Roy Hibbert is really owning him right now in this series. Uh, he needs to find a way to kind of step his game up and, and, and absorb some of this pain or pressure he's dealing with to be effective for the Heat going home. Uh, I think it will be a totally different game in Game 5 in Miami. I think uh, the Heat will, will step up. They're a very tough team at home. And it'll be fun to see how, how it plays out tomorrow night. But, George, I hear the music playing in the background. That only means one thing. It's time to pay some bills. So let's go ahead and pay bills. And when we come back, we'll continue to talk some NBA playoffs, a little bit about the Spurs as well as some coaches getting some head coaching jobs this week. Next on Outside the Huddle, we'll leave my Williams on the Voice America Sports Network. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. If you want to talk about the East Coast sports scene, particularly from the Southeast, make sure you tune in to the Jeff Owen Show every Tuesday. Yeah, we'll talk about some of the other teams and news that's out there, but host Jeff Owens and co-host Tasha Humphrey know the inside and out of the Georgia college sports world, and they were born there, raised there, and still live the scene. We'll talk about every sport imaginable. Tune in on Tuesday at 7 p.m. East Coast time, 4 p.m. in the West, on the Voice America Sports Channel. Ready for in-your-face sports? Want to talk about the topics that nobody else is willing to talk about, either because they're too scared to touch them or just don't think it's the way to go? You're not going to be shy here. Tune in to Here's the Deal with Mega and Steel, featuring Ike Mega Griffin and Sydney Steel Justice. We've got the facts to back up the talk and invite you to join us every Friday at 2 p.m. Pacific Time, 5 p.m. Eastern, just before the weekend on the Voice America Sports Channel. We tell it like it is. Do you love sports talk? Can't get enough sports talk? Have we got a show for you. It's about the NFL training camps, Super Bowl previews, a look at the new starting quarterbacks, and weekly key injuries. We'll take your calls and emails right on the air. Former Philadelphia Eagle James Loving is your host, and you never know who'll drop by for a co-host spot or an interview on the spot. Tune in to Loving That Sports Talk with James Loving every Wednesday at noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. You're 
Outside the Huddle with Lemont Williams. Want a piece of today's action? Call into the show right now at 1-888-346-9144. That's 888-346-9144. Or you can drop a line to Sports at yahoo.com. Now, let's get back to the show. Welcome back to Outside the Huddle. We'll leave my whims on the Voice American Sports Network. George, you still there with me? Yes, sir. I'm here. All right, George, let's continue to talk NBA and go from the East Coast to the West Coast and break down, well, the series that was the Western Conference Finals with the San Antonio Spurs sweeping the Memphis Grizzlies uh, in four games. The last game was uh, pretty much the score was 93-86. to George, uh, you know, we have some dominant teams here in the state of Texas. Uh, the Texans being one, the Cowboys being in Dallas. But out there, kind of Midwest, not really Midwest, but central part of, of Texas, we have a team called the San Antonio Spurs. And they're, for the most part, has been a dominant team in this last decade. Uh, with that being said, they was able to sweep the Memphis Grizzlies in that Western Conference final. Now, my question to you, well, one of the questions, the first question to you is, why were the uh, were the Spurs so dominant and uh, just you know imposing their will on the Grizzlies on the Grizzlies game in and game out to be able to sweep that series? I honestly think it's their their veteran their veteran mentality. They come into each game knowing that they have to play like it's their last game, and their ability to get the ball inside and then dish it back out as far as Tony Parker goes. That that's unmatched by anybody on the Grizzlies. So it gave them an advantage where they could either bring it inside and dish it back out to Ginobili, or they could bring it inside, post it up with Tim Duncan, and, and, and still be effective. So Tony Parker was a big key in that series, and I think he'll continue to be a big key in whoever he has to face in the Eastern Conference. Speaking, speaking of Tony Parker, and let's stay there with Tony Parker right now for the San Antonio Spurs. I mean, he's a guy that's been around – and won championships with the with the Spurs, and I was hearing all week, you know, after that game, after the game, the sweeping game against the Grizzlies, is that Tony Parker is one of the top three uh, point guards in the NBA. How will you evaluate uh, Tony Parker's, um, you know, status as far as being in the NBA, and where do you rank him as far as uh, amongst all the other point guards in the NBA? I definitely think he's a dominant point guard in the NBA, and he's definitely part of that discussion of at least the top three. Uh, it, Tony Parker, it's not just the points that he can put up. It's the way that he can affect his team. Um, a lot of the point guard position is not so much shooting the ball. It's, it's very, very uh, common for people to think that the point guard, point guard position is about getting points. But honestly, the point guard position is about setting your teammates up to be most effective and Tony Parker can not only set his teammates up to be effective but he can score as well himself. He's great at driving into the lane and creating contact and still getting the shot off and uh he he's one of the better point guards in the league and I definitely think he's he's one of the top 3. Okay, I I believe he's in the top 3. I have him in the top 2 between uh Tony Parker and Chris Paul. Um you know, before we move on and talk about the Grizzlies and and what they need to do moving forward. Tim Duncan, Mr. Old Man, Mr. Fundamentals, Mr. I get it done consistently each and every night. 
you know, we know what Tim can do offensively. He's he's a, a, a good guy, a good player on the block. He can, you know, turn around, hit the bank shot. He can square you up and, and take you to the rack. Uh, he's an excellent rebounder. But we got to give kudos to him for his defensive effort against Zebo, Zach Randolph, night in and night out. I mean, it seems like Tim Duncan just not just dominated him defensively, he just took him away mentally as well. And it seems like, you know, Zach Randolph was never in this series. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. I mean, Zebo was it was it was almost like seeing Michael Jordan play a high school player. I'm I'm just using that as an example because it's like it's almost like Zach Randolph was was astonished at how well Tim Duncan could play the game of basketball. And it's like he he got into his head mentally in that aspect and that that caused him to not be as effective as he's been in past series. Tim Duncan was in his face, making sure that he wasn't able to score. He was also on the offensive end posting him up. And that's not something that Zach Randolph is used to. He's, you know, you could tell he was getting a little irritated each time they would show him on the (laughs) camera. You know, he had the frown on his face. He's pulling his headband. And, you know, he he was a little irritated by it because he's used to being able to, to muscle people. And Tim Duncan's one of those guys that, like you said, he has his fundamentals down. So even if you're stronger than him, he's going to find a way to beat you, and that's what he did this series. Yeah, he just dominated. He just like he set the tone defensively, which opened up his offensive game against Zach Randolph. And you know, for a guy that's going through a lot of personal issues that we're not going to really, you know, go into right now, but for him to go through a lot of personal issues off the court and be able to be focused night in and night out and be effective against a very good offensive player in Zach Randolph only makes it more <clears throat> only makes it worse to the point where you realize, hey, this guy's a Hall of Fame player. I mean he can he can lock in, he can stay focused and get his job done and dominate each and every night. So uh you know, we'll see. We'll see. Antonio's getting some much needed rest right now, no question. Waiting uh, <laughs> watching this exciting series between the Miami Heat and the Indianapolis Pacers or Indiana Pacers. We'll see how it takes place. Um, you know, maybe too much rest can be a, a bad thing for the Spurs, or maybe some rest can help the old guys. When I say older guys, because they're mature and experienced, and get some uh, rest to their legs and help them out moving forward in the finals. So, the finals should be kicking off next week. But before we uh, we rush into the finals, we definitely got some more talking about the Eastern Conference Finals. So, uh, Memphis, you know, George, the Grizzlies. I mean, where do they go from here? Hollis, I mean, Lionel Hollis, their head coach, is up for a new contract. Uh, do you think he's coming back next year for the Memphis Grizzlies? I think he wants to come back, um, but at the same time, money talks. And he's going to demand a lot of money from what he's done with the Grizzlies. And if they can't offer him that money, they're going to have to go out and find another coach. And that's that's the sad part. You know, you you hate to see a guy who was able to put a team together so well. And Well, he doesn't put the team together. He works with what he has. But for him to be able to work with those pieces and make it, make it you know, take them the furthest that they've ever been in franchise history um, with them going to the conference finals, it's, it's something that you wish he could come back. But I honestly don't think he will just because of the price tag that he's going to demand. Yeah, Lionel Hollins. Hollins, he, he's well-respected coach, former basketball player, NBA player, turned coach, and he earned his respect, worked his way up the ranks. I think it's time for his payday. Uh, they need to find a way to give him some money. I know it's a smaller market, but that market is 
is booming right now from a basketball standpoint. So you have openings out there like the L.A. Clippers, the Milwaukee Bucks, and the Brooklyn Nets. Now, if I had to take a stab at it, if he was flirting with other teams, out of those three teams I just named, I would look at, if I was him, Coach Hollins, I would look at the Clippers and the Nets. I mean, for the most part, George, let's be honest, Milwaukee is pretty much the same media market as Memphis. Uh, but it's just up north and it's a lot colder. <laughs> but in the meantime, you got teams like the Brooklyn Nets, great foundation. Darren Williams, you have uh, Brooke Lopez. Then you have over the Clippers, you have CP3, and you have Blake Griffin. So, hey, it's not a bad time to float around with different teams and, and check your options because there's some teams out there that just need a coach like Coach Hollins to bring his mentality, defensive mentality into the play some structure, and you never know. If he joins the Clippers, they can be in the Western Conference Finals, or if he joins the Brooklyn Nets, they can be a team competing against you know teams like the Pacers and the Miami Heat. I honestly think I'm going to make a prediction now. I think that Lionel Hollins will go to the L.A. Clippers, and I think that uh, Vinny Del Negro will be going to the um, to the Brooklyn Nets. I think that's the way this this off season is going to end up. Um, like I said, he demands a big price tag. I think L.A. can can give him that. But not only can they give him that, they have the pieces in place for them to go after a championship. And I think that if CP3 can get on a good page with Lionel Hollins, watch out because the Clippers just need to uh, to have a little bit of good coaching underneath them, which I'm not going to say that Vinny Del Negro is a bad coach, but you have to have the chemistry and you have to have somebody who's going to buy into your system. And if CP3 can buy into Lionel Hollins' system, watch out because I think that that's where he's going to be going and I think that that's who will be competing in the finals next year if that happens. Yeah, we'll see. I know the Clippers are going after some big-name coaches. Hollis, mm-hmm. uh, Lionel Hollis, you can say he's a big-name coach. He was in the Final Four of the NBA uh, playoffs, so you never know. I mean, he, he can probably sneak in in L.A. And, and do something with the Clippers or go to Brooklyn. But a, a former, another, I mean, we talked about Hollis. He's a former player, but another former player Signed on to be the head coach. I'm talking about Jeff Hornacek. You remember that name from back in the day from playing in the NBA in the mid-'90s. He's now the head coach at the Phoenix Suns. Was that a good pickup for the NBA, especially for the Phoenix Suns, George? I definitely think it is because I think that, that Hornick is, is a guy that that he has the experience under his belt and he needs that opportunity as a head coach to to show what he can do. Um, I, I definitely think that, that that's a good pickup for the Suns. And if I'm not mistaken, he played for the Suns when he was in the league. So yeah. that's going to give him an even more of a, of an advantage with that team because he already has that chemistry there, you know, with the, with the fan base. They know who he is. They can, they can, you know, rely on him to be that guy that was the, you know, that's the face of the, of the franchise. And, and I think that uh, that's definitely a good pickup. Anytime you can get a hometown guy or, or someone who's played on the team to come back and coach, I think it, it gives the fans a sense of uh, security with that person. Okay, and Hornacek, Jeff Hornacek played his first six of his 14 NBA seasons with the Phoenix Suns, and he went over to Utah, and he played with a guy that everybody knows, a Hall of Famer named John Stockton. So he comes from a, a good background. He has some experience playing with Charles Barkley, Jeff, John Stockton, and, you know, he, he, I think it's good. I think it's good for the NBA. I think it's good for the Phoenix Suns to be able to bring in former players that have been in the league, had opportunity to cut their teeth in the league, 14 seasons 
or however many seasons, give these guys opportunities to be head coaches in the NBA only seems to me it's only right for them to do that. Now, hopefully one day the NFL can pick up that, you know, that blueprint and start bringing in guys, uh, if not, you know, head coaches, at least defensive coordinators, offensive coordinators, guys that used to play uh, in the in the NBA, I mean, excuse me, in the NFL to be able to help, you know, recycle and educate young players because they, you know, pretty much know what these players are going through. So I think it's a good look. I think it's a good look for Phoenix. Yeah. However, go ahead. I'm sorry. Yeah, anytime you can bring in a, a former player that knows the game, it's, it's definitely a good thing. Now, sometimes the better players, the, the great players, um, they're not always the best the best coaches because it's always been natural to them to be able to handle the ball the way that they want it to be handled. So that may not always be the, the case, but but definitely Hornacek is a good is a good addition to the Suns, and he's inheriting a, a 27 and 55 team, which was the second worst in Suns history. Um, so that's going to be a, a tough mountain to climb, but I definitely think he can do it. And I think that uh, if you if you can get the team behind you and get the confidence in in you, that uh, have the team build that confidence in you, the sky is the limit with any team. Yeah, well, good point there, George. I thought I heard the music, so that means we need to take a break. And when we come back, we'll go over into the NBA. I mean, excuse me, we'll, we'll switch gears and go into the NFL and talk Texans, OTAs, as well as some other things throughout the NFL this week. Next one outside the huddle. With Lemont Williams on the Voice America Sports Network. Your internet flagship station for sports. Voice America Sports. Football and so much more is the focus of Planet Gridiron with Damian Anderson. Join the former Arizona Cardinals running back for a show that mixes, well, a little bit of everything. Damian brings to the program life experiences playing football and will talk about his variety of successes both on and off the field. The goal is to provide you with a fun perspective on life, family, success, and of course, football. Tune in to Planet Gridiron with Damian Anderson, Fridays at noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time, on the Voice America Sports Channel. Get ready to talk sports with the big guys. Tune in to Lockdown Coverage with Keith Lewis every Tuesday for the inside and outside of the business of sports. Keith and his guests will provide expert commentary and answer all of your burning questions about your favorite team, the players, and what's next. It's time to have fun with the game. Listen for Lockdown Coverage with Keith Lewis and his favorite co-hosts every Tuesday at noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time. On the Voice America Sports Channel, the talk doesn't get any hotter. The opening kickoff is a beauty. It's a fly ball deep right field. That goes O'Neal. He's at the shot. Got it. With 2.8 seconds left to left. I don't care where they put him. This one is out of here. From high school to the pros, we cover everything. Let your voice be heard. Voice America Sports. You're outside the huddle with Lemont Williams. Want a piece of today's action? Call into the show right now at 1-888-346-9144. That's 888-346-9144. 
Or you can drop a line to Sports at yahoo.com. Now, let's get back to the show. Welcome back to Outside the Huddle. We're Leemont Williams on the Voice America Sports Network. George, you still there with me? Yes, sir. All right, George, let's go ahead and go into the NFL. We've got to start here locally and talk about the Houston Texans. Week two of the organized team activity. I'm about to say organized train. <laughs> organized team activities, better known as the OTAs, kicked off this Tuesday for the Houston Texans. But had some sad news right now in Houston land. All-pro running back, Pro Bowl running back, Arian Foster is down with a strained calf. Uh, right now it was reported he's out for the remaining of the OTAs, and he will not return back um, into training camp. So, you know, Arian Foster guy, George, you speak highly of, I speak highly of. He's the, he's the face of the offense as far as running the ball. He's their go-to guy on the ground. He finished up with – a little bit over 1,400 yards, 15 touchdowns last season. All right, George, what, you know, how concerned are you right now with, with this report coming out with Arian Foster missing the remaining OTAs and not going to report back to training camp with this strained right calf? I'm not too concerned. I think that the Texans are trading on, you know, trying to be cautious, just, you know, trying to make sure that their guy – is is available for the regular season because that's when it matters. So I don't really take too much. Uh, I'm not really too concerned about it. Just you know, you, you have to tread cautiously whenever you get your star running back. And for the Texans, Arian Foster is the offense. Uh, if you look at the Texans' offense, they run a lot of play action, and the play action has to be set up by a great running back. And Arian Foster is that great running back that sets it up. Uh, he can get out to the outside on you, or he can pound it in the middle. So he's one of those guys that he's a he's a go getter, and he's going to make sure that he's back and available for the regular season. So I'm not too concerned about it. Well, I had a chance to visit the Texans this week, actually Tuesday, the same day that Foster got injured, and I was actually evaluating him as well as other players. Uh, I mean, he seems like a guy that's in better shape this season, a little bit more focused. Uh, but then again, his OTAs. Am I concerned to the point where if I was a Texan, I'd be losing sleep? No. I mean, it's still early in the game. Even if it was week one or two, it's still early in the game for a strain right calf. Uh, you, you made some good points there about them being uh, cautious and, and taking their time with Foster. But then again, it's opportunities for other guys to step up. Ben Tate, he's a guy that's been with the Texans here for a couple of seasons. Let's see what he do, what he's going to do in the in the lineup as a starter now. We know what he can do in night in and night out, but he got in the doghouse last year with, with Gary Kubiak and wasn't as productive like he was before. So let's see how he responds to his opportunity to be the lead guy. Also, some rookies out there that need to start to step up and be, make a, um, you know, just say if the season was right now. I mean, the Texans need a third running back, so it's an opportunity for someone to step up uh, to audition for that position. So, uh, it's, you know, it's, it's it's funny how things work out in the NFL. You know, a lot of good players or players that you depend on night in and night out or every Sunday normally will catch an injury or two during the summertime, which allows a lot of younger players or background players to step up uh, to get more opportunities, more reps, and you develop uh, some kind of chemistry with the player because you start to see some things with the, within that player in the summertime. Well, 
you know, late spring, early summer. So when the season comes around, you can kind of witness or you, you can say, well, I saw that in him back then, so I'm not surprised to see this in him now in week one and week two. Yeah, definitely. And, and the Texans are a team that if you're the third string running back on that team, you have to make sure that you're prepared to play at all times. If you look at last season, Ben Tate was injured uh, for most of last season. Morissette got a lot of the, the ball carrying um, in his place. So when you're a third running back for the Houston Texans, you have to be aware that you might be getting second string opportunity based upon the injuries that have occurred. Ben Tate's injury history is not that great. If you look at his rookie season in 2010, he broke his leg and he was out for the season. Then he comes back in 2011, has an amazing season. And then this past season, 2012, he's, you know, injured and, you know, can't get his legs quite right. So it's one of those things, if you're a third-string running back, it's a very vital position for the Texans, and you have to make sure that you're prepared to come day in and day out and perform like you're the second-string running back. Yeah, I just, you know, it's one of those things where in time, as far as Foster, he'll be he'll get a lot better. It's not a really a major concern, I mean concern, but it's also an excellent opportunity for someone to step up. Speaking of someone stepping up this past draft, a uh, local guy out of Houston from the Houston Cougars, D.J. Hayden, he stepped his game up after that tragic uh, situation where he almost lost his life, uh, the situation that he had, uh, you know, internal bleeding, some other things he had close to his heart, he was able to come back. Now, unfortunately, fast forward now, he's still dealing with some issues. It seems like he had he had went to the hospital. <clears throat> George, you heard about this report. Oakland Raiders first-round draft pick, D.J. Hayden, cornerback. He was released from the hospital after undergoing surgery to remove some scar tissue from his abdomen uh, region. So, George, uh, first, you know, I want to say congratulations to the young man for being able to recover and get out of that. I mean, he's been down his road before, but... Man, it's, 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 it's a tough situation when you hear reports like this from D.J. Hayden, a young man with a lot of potential uh, to be excellent in the NFL, but he's still struggling with some, some health issues. Yeah, I mean, it's an amazing story. If you guys haven't gotten to uh, to read the D.J. Hayden story, I would definitely – I would definitely encourage you to go and read it. Uh, this is a guy who was in an, in an off-season workout um, coming across the middle of the field and uh, collided with another player, severing an artery from uh, his heart. And uh, this, this caused internal bleeding, and uh, he had to go undergo surgery where the doctor said that it almost seemed like it was uh, tissue paper wet tissue paper that they were going to sew together. Um, so it's an amazing story. This kid, he has a, he has a scar from the top, the bottom of his throat all the way down to, to his navel. So it's, it's, a, it's a story that he'll forever be able to tell, and I'm glad that he's able to live to tell it. And this, this uh, scar tissue incident with the, in the abdominal region where he had the scar tissue, that's nothing that's related to this particular surgery that happened. It's just some scar tissue that he had from a prior incident. So I wish the best for the guy, and he's you know he's he's definitely an inspiring story for anyone to look up to who thinks they're down and out, and uh, there's no way to come back. He's definitely an, an encouraging story. So I definitely encourage you guys to uh, to go out and read that if you get a chance. Yeah, our prayers and thoughts with the young man. He he'll, he'll be able to recover. Uh, he's he's home resting from what's reported by the Oakland Raiders. So excellent young man to keep fighting. Uh, keep pushing, and uh, we'll see in due time how it plays out for D.J. Hayden as he 
recovers from undergoing surgery on his uh, to remove some scar tissue from his previous injury or surgery that he had back in the football season. George overlooked this story, and I want to kind of bring it up now along the lines of the Houston Texans before we wrap up this segment. Brian Cushing, he's recovering from a knee injury. Uh, he's rehabbing. I had a chance to watch him out there on the field on Tuesday. He looks pretty good to me. Uh, you know, he's always a guy that always kept himself in shape, so that's not an issue uh, for me. But uh, I'd be glad to see how he looks once he gets back on the field. And that's the field aspect of it. Off the field issues is, is, is starting to brew within the Texans. Uh, he's entering his uh, final year of his contract, uh, 1999 first-round draft pick for the Texans. He's entering his final year of his contract. So uh, normally, Georgia Texans, a team, are, they, they kind of handle their business this time of the year for guys going into their final contract. Unfortunately, Brian Cushing, he has not been offered a contract thus far from the Texans. Uh, you know, what are your thoughts? I mean, do you think the Texans should sign him up right now, re-sign him, or, or play it out and see how he plays out this season? The Texans are not normally a team that sign a player in the middle of the season. They like to keep that um, taken care of in the beginning of the season. But I think that they will make an exception for Brian Cushing. I think that this is a special story or a special incident uh, that he he was injured last year. Um, and I actually got to talk to his dad about his injury um, this past season. And, you know, he told me that, that Brian was pretty much heartbroken about it because he was back in his hometown in front of his family and, and a dirty play is what took him out. And, you know, he's been rehabbing hard even when the, when the season was still going this past season for the Texans. So, I mean, after speaking with his dad about the injury and about his surgery, I feel confident that Brian Cushing is going to come back 10 times more than what we saw on the field. And I think that he's confident in that as well. And if he can bring that type of intensity and bring that type of mentality to, to the table, I definitely believe the Texans, have to offer him a contract. And I think that they'll make an exception, like I said, and in the middle of the season they'll get him a, a contract extended to him. Well, we'll see. I mean, it would be tough to say in the middle of the season. I think, you know, good or bad, it would be tough to see what the Texans going to do. Uh, they can probably be focused too much on the season instead of on resigning Cushion. If it's going to happen, it's going to happen now or later in the season. Well, you saw what happened with Connor Baldwin. You know, he didn't resign, and, mm-hmm. and he didn't have the season like they anticipated him having, and they didn't sign him. He's now with the Philadelphia Eagles. So, uh, Cushion is a guy that believes in the in the organization. They believe in him. They like him. So it's not a it's not an issue there. I just really believe that um, you know it's kind of one of those situations where it's not been talked about a lot due to the fact that he's off the field, but it's an issue that. Once he gets back on the field, we'll see how it plays out. Because if he's not the same Brian Cushing, let's say he's not the same Brian Cushing that we know um, uh, to love and known to watch every Sunday, being physical and and, and, and aggressive at the linebacker position, then then where you go from there? I mean, you have a lot of young guys trying out for position this uh, too. They brought in uh, Montgomery Montgomery from uh, LSU and some other guys. So you want to see how it plays out. And only thing I can say, let time, you know, add time in there and see how it plays out, then you get your answer. And something that I will tell Texans fans to encourage you about Brian Cushing is that if you listen to the quote from uh, Bob McNair, the owner of the team, back when Connor Barwin was lost, 
um, when we lost Connor Barwin to the uh, to the Philadelphia Eagles, he did say we have Cushing's contract coming up and J.J. Watt's contract coming up, so we have to look at our leaders and make sure that we keep re-signing them. So that encourages you if you're if you're really wanting Brian Cushing to be a part of this team to know that that he can be a part of the team because the owner obviously wants him around. Yeah, we'll see how it plays out. I mean, it, it sounds good now, but you know, let's fast forward through the season and they don't re-sign him then. They go a different route. So we'll we'll see how it plays out, and hopefully Cushion stays with the Texans uh, so we can continue to cover him in the Houston Texans here uh, at Reliance. So we'll see how it plays out. But I think that's the music. I don't know. I haven't heard it, but I think that's the music, George. So let's go ahead and wrap this segment up, talking about the Texans, and we'll finish up the show with our last segment. We'll talk some Dallas Cowboys. Some stuff coming out of Dallas right now, so we'll talk about Dallas as well as some other things in the NFL. Next one outside the huddle with Lee Mont Williams on the Voice America Sports Network. Your internet flagship station for sports. Voice America Sports. If you're looking for a radio show about boxing, you usually can't find one until you stop by the Voice America Sports Channel. Tune in to Outside the Ring with former world lightweight champion and U.S. Olympian David Diaz. We'll deliver the knockout punches with our guests as we go inside the minds of today's top fighters. We'll throw in discussion of other sports as well from time to time. Outside the Ring with David Diaz airs every Thursday at 3 p.m. Eastern Time noon pacific on the voice america sports channel tune in to a show about making a comeback and what really goes on behind the scenes with your favorite athletes and beyond listen for the comeback radio show with tony farmer a lot of people believe what they read on the internet hear and see in the media and on the news we're going to give our guests the chance to tell the real story without the extra hype it's not just sports, although that will be a focal point of the program. We'll also look at the world of celebrities, music, modeling, and more. Listen every Thursday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, 1 p.m. Eastern, on Voice America Sports. Your internet flagship station for sports. Voice America Sports. You're outside the huddle with Lemont Williams. Want a piece of today's action? Call into the show right now at 1-888-346-9144. That's 888-346-9144. Or you can drop a line to Sports at yahoo.com. Now, let's get back to the show. Welcome back to Outside the Huddle. With Lemont Williams on the Voice America Sports Network. George, you still there with me? Still here, man. Still here, huh? We made it finally to the end of the last segment before we wrap up the show. I'm trying to pull up something I saw earlier uh, out of Dallas. Excuse me, my computer moving a little slow. But uh, great show thus far, George. Man, we had a chance to talk about some Texans, uh, Arian Foster, his situation. Uh, you know, his strain right calf, you did a great evaluation. We broke down the, the two conference games between um, the Eastern Conference Finals, which is still going on, and we broke down or the sweep between <laughs> the San Antonio Spurs 
and the Memphis Grizzlies. Now, if I can get my computer to work here, I can talk about some other things that I had in mind. But uh, here we go. I want to see it's coming up a little bit right now. I'm a little slow here. But, uh, George, uh, out of Dallas, you know, Michael Jordan is talking about some things. And one of the person he's talking about is Des Bryant. Uh, you know, he's saying that Des Bryant needs to, uh, you know, kind of behave himself, which everybody knows that. But, uh, you know, for Michael Jordan to be a Hall of Famer, all-time great uh, in the NBA, to be able to chime in and talk about Des Bryant, I mean, that speaks volumes. I mean, if you're Des Bryant, George, I mean, will it sink into you that Michael Jordan is taking time to make comments about you, about behaving yourself moving forward? I think it has to sink in. I mean, the whole reason why he was talking to Des Bryant, I believe, is because uh, Bryant actually signed a three-year deal with Jordan Brand. Um, so Michael Jordan wants his brand to be known as, you know, people who are athletically gifted are also – you know, well, well-rounded in the community. So Des Bryant has to be a better person. And um, I actually saw in this story uh, that he actually forfeited his first year of pay or, or postponed his first year of pay with Jordan Brand to ensure, um, to instill that confidence in Michael Jordan that he was going to be, was not going to be a disruption. So I think that that's a mature thing for him to do. But at the same time, you know, it shouldn't take money for you to act like you're supposed to act. And I think I may take a different view on this than other people do, but I think that Des Bryant just needs to be more mature because it's the right thing to do, not because he's going to be postponing his money. I think that he needs to make sure that he's setting a good example for the kids who are out there in Dallas looking up to him and who want to be like Des Bryant one day. You have to set a good example. and You set yourself in the uh, you set yourself in, in the place to be a superstar, and now at this point you have to start acting like one and stop acting like a teenager. Yeah, it's time to mature. It's time to step up. There's Bryant. Uh, it's a guy that has phenomenal talent on the field. He's the go-to guy, the, the man as far as receiver. And he's wearing number 88. So, I mean, that speaks volumes right there in Dallas for the, uh, the Dallas Cowboys. Now, Michael Jordan has invested interest in him because, let's be honest, he's with the Jordan brand. That's Jordan's uh, brand and it's Jordan's uh, company. So, Des Bryant needs to behave himself, you know, no doubt about that. And I expect him to be a little bit more mature this year. Uh, he's a guy that, you know, you know, once his mental game catches up with his physical aspect of, of you know, what he can bring to the field, oh, man, he's – to me, he could be somewhere like a LeBron James at the receiver spot. I mean, he's so physical, and he has the speed and, and, and the ability to get across the field and, and get down the field. I mean, this guy is un, unstoppable, so – Hopefully, you know, at the there's someone, you know, he's from Lufkin, Texas, so hopefully somebody listening to the show and can relate this message to him is behave yourself. I'm just copying what Jordan said, so <laughs> so hopefully Des <laughs> Bryant can do that. All right, let's stay in Dallas, man. Uh, I want to get your thoughts on Tony Romo. Everybody loves to throw shots at Tony Romo. Romo got the new deal this all season. First, let's talk about the deal. Was it was it were you were you surprised that Romo got this new deal? Uh, by by the Cowboys moving going forward into the season. I'm surprised from an aspect of what the deal is, but I'm not surprised because of who the owner is and who the GM is, because they're both the same person. And Jerry Jones <laughs> is very much a person who, if he believes in somebody, 
He's going to make sure that everybody knows he believes in him. And that even if that means that he's putting his neck out there on a large deal that isn't really deserved. I think that Tony Romo hasn't proven himself enough to have that type of deal thrown his way. And Jerry Jones is going to, is going to really be hurting the next time he's trying to sign a quarterback because Romo's not going to be able to get it done. And he has shown that he can't get it done. So I just think that it's, it's pretty, it's pretty bad that he went and signed him, but I mean, you're the owner, you're the GM, you can do what you want to do, but at the end of the day, if if I had to give my opinion on it, which I am, I, I definitely don't think it's a good signing. You don't, you don't think it was a good signing to sign Tony Romo, uh, his franchise quarterback, get that out of the way. You think that you don't think Romo's a guy that can get it done for them on a consistent basis as far as with that money that he's now been awarded to by the general manager slash owner, Jerry Jones? No, not at all. I mean, Tony Romo has shown in the past that when it comes to clutch situations or when he's up against the wall, he's not a guy that's going to get it now going to get it done. Now he is a guy that you've seen that can put up the numbers, but when when it comes down to the time, the nitty gritty, and you got to run that two minute offense, you got to get the ball down the field and make sure you put it in the right spot for your people like Des Bryant to get. It's it, it's been shown that Tony Romo just can't get that done. So it, it it's I would like I would have liked to have seen the Cowboys go in a different direction as far as quarterback, but at the same time, you know, like I said, it's Jerry Jones, and regardless of what anyone thinks, Jerry Jones is going to do what he wants to do. Yeah, I found that interesting. I, I really believe that Romo is the guy for the Cowboys. I mean, you look around the league. If you replace Romo, who are you going to replace him with? And then if you go rookie, as far as a young guy. You pretty much starting all over. So the Cowboys feel like they have a couple more seasons where they can get some uh, good quality of Romo. His thing is, is being consistent. Uh, Romo is a gunslinger. He's a risk taker. So if he can find a way to get it done, uh, I, I, you know, he fits the Cowboys. I mean, he grew up in that system. He was a backup quarterback. Now he's in a position where he's a starter. So, I mean, we'll see how it plays out. I mean, we'll see how it plays out for the Cowboys. Uh, you know, Jared Jones has never been a guy shy throwing throwing his money at players. And uh, trust trust me, if they get off to a slow start or a horrible start, I'd be the first thing you hear about is Romo getting that new deal and stinking up the place up in Dallas. Yeah, I mean, like I said, it's just I like to look at a player based on his track record, and I'm not saying that there's a guy out there who would have been better than than Romo in the in the free agency, but I think that a while back when you know, they, people started having questions about Tony Romo. I think that they should have gone and sought after um, a, a decent backup to him so that they could put some pressure on him. So, I mean, I, I wish him well, and I hope that he does well. I, I never wish bad on any player, but at the end of the day, it's it's about what have you done for me lately. It's not about what I think you can do for me in the future. All right, George, good stuff, man. And uh sounds like it's time for us to wrap up the show, so – I want to thank you again, George, for joining me this week, and I can't wait to have you on the show again next week. Hey, man, I appreciate it, and I'll be back next week, talk some sports, and uh, just kind of get get our opinions out there. Okay, and I also want to thank all the listeners out there as well for listening to Outside the Huddle with Lemont Williams. Have a blessed week. Until we meet again, be safe. Thanks for joining Outside the Huddle with Lemont Williams. We're back next week for another live show, Wednesday at 5 p.m. Pacific, 7 p.m. Central, and 8 p.m. Eastern Time. Check back with us on the Voice America Sports Channel.